Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today at Bible Baptist Church Online. Again, we truly hope that today will be a help to you and help you become a better follower of Jesus Christ. We want everybody to follow Christ. And if you've never uh, been introduced to Jesus before, we want today to be that day that you are introduced to Jesus and that you come to him. So if you would, please take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9 with me. Luke chapter 9. We'll continue uh, through this passage of scripture we've been on for the last couple of weeks. And uh, again, just focusing on the teaching of Jesus, uh, how he allows us to have life and life more abundant. And so hopefully you'll be able to uh, grow from this passage today. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, the Bible says this, And he, being Jesus, said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. And I pray that as we continue to look at this passage, Father, you convict our hearts. You would challenge us. You would help us to be closer to you and follow you even better. Help us to become followers of you and help us to love you even more. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins so that we can have a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that if there's one that does not know that today, that they would understand their need of salvation. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Luke chapter 9, again, Jesus continues to teach us and he begins to challenge us and he begins to, uh, continues to spur us to be followers of Jesus. Or another way to say that would be a disciple of Jesus. He challenges us in in verse 24 that if we are going to self-preserve, then we will self-destruct. Self-preserve, then we will self-destruct. He challenges us then in verse 25 that if we are going to pursue earthly endeavors, then we will be left with nothing. Again, for what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Again, these two verses point directly at our natural human desire of the flesh in verse 24 and of the eyes in verse 25. So Jesus is pointing directly at those things. Now let me ask you this question before we really get into the message this morning. Can you be a follower of Jesus and preserve your life? Can you be a follower of Jesus and preserve your own life? Again, he says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Self-preserving. Can you be a follower of Jesus if you self-preserve? Can you be a follower of Jesus if you try to gain the whole world? If you look for those things, again, verse 25, what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world? Seriously, ask yourself the question, can I be the follower of Jesus if I self-preserve and if I try to gain the whole world? Here's the answer. The answer is no. The answer is no. I want you to jump back up to verse 23. The Bible says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, Here are the requirements to come after. Let him deny himself, so do not self-preserve, and take up his cross daily. Do not go after your visions, your dreams. Do not go after the world, earthly dreams. 
Take up what I have called you to and follow me. So I want you to, I want to be very clear this morning. And this is incredibly important to understand that we cannot be followers of Jesus unless we deny ourselves, take up that which Jesus has called us to do daily and follow him. There will be some people that hear this that are thinking, I'm a follower of Jesus, but not to that extent. I mean, I'm just a casual follower of Jesus. There are other people, you know, that are sold out to God. I'm just a casual follower of Jesus. Now, hang on. Again, you cannot be a follower of Jesus, listen, if you're not following him. Let me say that again. You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you are not following him. Following Jesus entails following him in everything. Okay, Let's think about this. You can follow him up until you get to the point where you have to deny yourself. And if you say, no, 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 I'm not going to deny myself, well then guess what? You stop following him. You can follow him up until the point where you have to take up your cross or take up that thing that God has called you to, the thing that God has laid on your heart to do. If you do not take that up, then you are not following Jesus. So we have to be extremely clear about this this morning. I don't want anybody getting the false pretense that you can halfway follow Jesus. It's either you follow him in everything or you're not following Jesus. Again, we may follow at different paces. I understand that. That's okay. But I want you to understand, if we are not denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily, we are not following him. Now Jesus moves into the third area of our natural human desires. We talked about the lust of the flesh, which is from John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. We talked about the lust of the eyes. And now thirdly, we're going to talk about the pride of life. The pride of life. Now we all have pride. Every single one of us has pride. We have pride in our country. We have pride for our families. We have pride for our homes. We try to keep them clean, keep them up to date, uh, do renovations, all kinds of different things. We have pride for our children. Yeah, these are my children, right? Like we're proud of them. We have pride for our cars. Well, some of us have pride for our cars. Some are so junky that we just don't care, all right? We have pride for our accomplishments. Uh, that's why we have trophies and we have ribbons and banners and all kinds of different things. We have pride in those things. Listen, we have pride for all kinds of different things. And there's many, many more things that we could say we have pride in. We could say we have pride in our appearance, how we look, okay? But here's the problem. It is the pride of our own life that's the real problem. It's the pride of our own life that's the real problem. And here we go. This is what Jesus attacks in verse 26. It says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me, and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory, and in his Father's, and of the holy angels. So I want you to understand that if we are ashamed of Jesus, then Jesus will be ashamed of us in front of his Father. That's pretty big terminology, but I want to take some time and I want to look at that word, ashamed. I want to look at the word, ashamed. Again, realize that Jesus is continuing to drill down on our objections to following him. Our natural desires 
our objections to following him. So ashamed from Strong's Dictionary gives us the idea that this is a feeling that you would feel if you had a disfigurement. Okay, this is the feeling that you would feel if you had a disfigurement. Okay, so let's just be honest. If I did not have one eye, okay, would I, I would be embarrassed by that. Okay, talking to people, right? Like if I've got a disfigurement, I've got an eye missing. I know that's crazy. I know that's weird, but think about it. I would be embarrassed by that, right? I would try to cover it up, maybe use a patch, some, something, uh, maybe use a fake eye, a glass eye, something to those effects because I would be embarrassed about my disfigurement, okay? And we, I think we all understand that, right? We all have certain quirks. We all have certain flaws that maybe we're a little embarrassed by. But I want you to understand this. This word that Jesus is using here is not a word of being embarrassed about yourself. It's a word about being embarrassed about one of your loved ones that has a disfigurement. Notice again, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me. So that word ashamed is pointed at someone else. So let's drill this down again. This is being ashamed of someone else. Now listen, the idea is this. What if one of my children had Down syndrome? One of my children, one of my loved ones, one of my close relatives had Down syndrome. Okay? And I was embarrassed by them. So embarrassed by my child that has Down syndrome that I never took them out into public. I never wanted anyone to know that Johnny Yeomans the preacher, the pastor of Bible Baptist Church, I would never want them to know that I had a child with Down syndrome. Now, most of you are already thinking, that is horrific. How could you ever even think such a thing? How cruel, how heartless can you be? Just because they're born with Down syndrome doesn't mean that you have to be embarrassed about it. That's just your pride. You don't want anybody to know you think you're something special and you're hurting that Little child, you should never be ashamed of someone who has Down syndrome. Again, here's the deal. I completely agree with you. I'm just giving you an example, okay? And honestly, we should never be ashamed of somebody who has a disability. We should never be ashamed of somebody who has a disfigurement. We should never be ashamed of somebody who has a flaw. But listen, hear me. This is the exact way that Jesus is talking about, the exact thing that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being ashamed of someone else, being ashamed of a loved one. And what he's pointing to again is the pride of life. I hope you understand this already. Okay, if I'm that type of person where I would be ashamed of a child who has Down syndrome, which I am not, okay, but if I'm that type of person, it is all based on my pride. It's all based on what I want people to look at me and think of. I could, I could never create a child that has a disability. So again, this is the word. This is what he's pointing to. He's talking about being ashamed. When we are ashamed of someone else, it is because of our pride. And it's because our pride is the most important thing to us. The pride of life. We would never want someone looking down on us because we're associating ourselves with someone who is less desirable in society. One of the things I think about 
is the movie The Greatest Showman. There's several instances of this in that movie. The, the people who have disfigurements, most people are ashamed of them in society. And Barnum brings them all to the light and makes a show out of them. There's all kinds of different aspects of it, but that's the type of ashamed that the Bible's talking about. So let's go after this. Jesus says, for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words. So let me ask this question, why in the world would we ever be ashamed of Jesus? Why in the world would we ever be ashamed of Jesus? What are some of the reasons? Well, I've written down three. You might have others, but I think these are applicable. Number one, we don't think he fits in. Again, just like if I was to have a child with a disability, I would think they don't fit into school. They don't fit into society. They don't fit into our culture. They're different from everybody else. And that's sometimes what we think about Jesus. Jesus doesn't fit into our culture. Jesus doesn't fit into our society. So let me ask you, does Jesus fit into our culture? The answer to that is, again, no. Jesus does not fit into our culture. He is different. In fact, Jesus is counterculture. He's different than our culture. He sees things differently. He thinks differently. He does not follow the main stream of our culture. So why in the world are we ashamed of him? Why does this make us ashamed? Here's why. Because we want to be the same as our culture. We desire to be the same as our culture. Our pride wants everybody to look at us and go, wow, they fit into society. Or, wow, they're the upper echelon of society. We don't want to be different. We want to fit into our culture. We want to be just like everybody else. Again, if I have a child that has a, a disability, like I hold them back. Why? Because I want to be normal in culture, and this child is pulling me down. Horrible, right? That's what we think about Jesus. And this poses a problem. This poses a problem. We, in our pride, want to fit into the culture. But Jesus stands out from the culture. His ways are not our ways. He does not do things the way that we think he should do them. And so what happens is we become ashamed of him. We want to fit in. And Jesus does not fit in. So number one, we don't think he fits in, which brings us to number two. Even though he doesn't fit in, we believe that he doesn't have anything good to offer. We don't believe that he has anything good to offer. Again, I'm going to keep harping on this because this is the word, ashamed. If I have a child with a disability, oh yeah, he may not fit into society, but all of us would think now, right? Man, but they have something to offer society. Again, in my pride, if I'm... Holding that, if I'm ashamed of that, I'm thinking he has nothing to offer society. Jesus may not fit into the culture, but let me ask you, does Jesus have anything to offer our culture? Does Jesus have anything to offer our culture? Does he have anything to offer the people around you? Yes, he has so much to offer our culture. He offers light. He offers joy. He offers peace. He offers love. He offers salvation. He offers life. He offers grace. He offers mercy. He has so much to offer. And I could spend hours upon hours telling you how much he has to offer to our culture. But here's the reality. We don't believe that. We don't believe. We're ashamed of him. Why would we be ashamed of him? Because we don't think he has anything to offer our culture. 
We don't think he has anything valuable to offer our culture. Let me ask you this question. Why in the world would we believe that? Why would we believe that Jesus doesn't have anything to offer our culture? Well, perhaps it's because he hasn't been doing valuable things in our lives. Let me say that again. Perhaps it's because he hasn't been doing valuable things in our lives. Maybe that hit a chord with you. Maybe that resonated with you just a little bit. You think, yeah, he's not been doing good things in my life. Why is that? We become almost a little bit bitter toward God. So here's the reality. More often than not, we are unhappy with God because we think that he should be doing things differently. We feel like he is doing things wrong. Listen, we think the election should have turned out differently. We think uh, that people should care about us more. We think that God should heal our friend with cancer. We think, that, excuse me, we think that God ought to be doing this or that, and you fill in the blank of whatever you want. But listen, we are getting more bitter and more bitter every single day because we think God ought to be doing something differently. So instead of experiencing the joy that Jesus offers, we're depressed. So instead of experiencing the peace that Jesus offers, we are full of strife and bitterness. And guess what happens? We blame Jesus for that. You did this to me. You should be doing the things that I want you to do. So why in the world would I want to tell anybody else about him? Why in the world would I want to lift him up on high when he doesn't do the things that I want him to do in the first place? But here's the problem. That's exactly the problem is that's the pride of life. We want things done our way. Listen to me. God doesn't do things the way that we want them done. He does things that are best for us. Catch that. Don't miss that. He doesn't do what we want. He does what is best. Jesus doesn't do things that we want. He does what is best. Let me put it to you this way. He makes us eat our broccoli. He makes us eat our broccoli, right? Like my kids don't like broccoli. I never liked broccoli, but guess what? My parents made me eat broccoli. Why? Because it's good for me. We make our children eat broccoli because it's good for them. Listen, it's not what they want. Oh, trust me. They want Cadbury mini eggs. They, they want chocolate chip cookies. They want all of these different things, candy, sugar. Listen, that's what they want, but it's not the best for them. Broccoli's good for them. We know that, and so we make them eat our broccoli. Listen, the easy, comfortable life that we all want is not necessarily what is best. God has such incredible plans for you. God has such incredible plans for all of us if we will just trust him, if we will just follow him. If we will just follow him, we will have joy. We will have peace. We will have all of these things. Even in the crazy times of life. Why? Why? Because Christ, not our circumstances, gives us joy. Christ, not our circumstances, he is the center of my joy. He is my focus. He is my life. He is everything to me. So let me ask again, 
Does Jesus have anything to offer society? Yeah. So then why are we ashamed of him? Again, we are ashamed of him probably because we don't believe he has anything good to offer. And most likely that's happening because he's not doing anything in your life because of your pride. And my pride, I'll be honest, same, same with me. Which brings me to the third reason we might be ashamed of God. Number three is we just simply don't trust him. We don't trust him. J.C. Riley, uh, a pastor of the Church of England years ago, said this, the wickedness of being ashamed of Christ is very great. It is a proof of unbelief. Listen to this. It is a proof of ingratitude. Wow. It's a proof of unbelief. It's a proof of ingratitude. Here's the, here's the reality. We don't trust Jesus. We think we know better. We think we know what this world needs. We think we know what our neighbor needs. We think we know what, what our friends need. We think we know what we need. We think we know better. And listen, this is the greatest proof of ingratitude. Here's the reality. Jesus is the one who ought to be ashamed of us. Jesus is the one who ought to be ashamed of us. Why? Because we are the ones with the flaws. We are the ones with the disfigurement. We were created in His image. We were perfect. We were unflawed, created in the image of God, but we have been disfigured by sin. Sin has separated us from God. We've been marred by sin. Sin leaves us apart from God, and on top of that, we misrepresent Him. We are rebellious. And here's the reality. We have nothing good to offer Him. Yet somehow we think we're something special. Yet somehow we think we're going to slide into heaven secretly. And think, okay, I can make it. We're the ones with the flaws. If anybody's going to be ashamed in this relationship, it ought to be Jesus. But here we are, standing here, ashamed of Jesus. Ashamed of His words and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I don't believe Him. I don't trust Him. Listen to me. Jesus hung naked on a cross for all the world to see. Why? For me. He hung naked on a cross for my flaw, for my disfigurement, for my disability of sin. He hung there for me. He hung naked on the cross for everyone to see, for you. He died on the cross for our sins. He openly died. He was not and is not ashamed of us. And he has every right to be. So why in the world are we ashamed of him? The ingratitude. He gave up so much and we cannot give up our own pride. Listen again, if my child with a disability 
gives up something so that I could be made better man? Would I not hold that person on high? Would I not make him a hero? I don't care what his disfigurement is. I don't care what his flaw is. Listen, and Jesus has no flaw. He was a perfect, spotless Lamb of God. No flaw in him whatsoever. And here we go walking around being ashamed. Greatest form of ingratitude. He did everything for us. He gave us life. He saved us. Incredible, incredible, ungrateful people we are. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, what's the opposite of being ashamed? It's being proud. It's being openly proud. Listen, how are we going to change this? Listen, just be proud of your Savior. Be proud of Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 25, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Oh, God, I give up everything to you. I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross daily, and I'm following you. I'm trusting in you. Let me not be ashamed because of my trust in you. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 12, the Bible says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Listen, I trust you implicitly, Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I trust you fully. I know you're going to do something great. I know you're going to, if I give my life to you, if I follow you, you're going to use my life. You're going to take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And you're going to do something powerful with it. Trust in the Lord follow him trust that where he is leading you is the exact spot that is best for you trust him and i believe fully that this will change our lives this will change our lives why because most christians are living defeated most christians are living in defeat most people are scared to share Jesus Christ with someone for fear of retribution. Most people are scared to share Jesus Christ because they fear they might get made fun of. Most people are scared to share Jesus Christ for fear they might lose a relationship. And listen, I'm not trying to say you need to be bombastic and, and rude and, and shove Jesus down people's throat. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But at the same time, a lot of us are scared. Well, you look at our culture today and listen, Jesus just doesn't fit in. People don't want him. He doesn't really have anything that great to offer, so I'm not going to share him. So we begin thinking this way and we live in defeat and we think, oh man, I'm just a Christian. I'm, I'm just going to hang on till the end. I've, I've got nothing else to offer. Jesus has nothing else to offer. I heard on a podcast recently by a man, his name is John Mark Comer. He's a pastor and he's an author he said this i love it we are more dangerous than the culture oh, think about this we are more dangerous than the culture 
We don't have to be in survival mode. Why? Because we have the greatest power on earth. We don't have to be in survival. We have the greatest power on earth. What is that? We have the good news. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, go to Romans chapter 1. This is so amazing. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, in verse 16. The Bible says this. Paul speaking. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? 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 Look, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God unto salvation. Notice verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, listen to this. The just shall live by faith. You see, we have this power. The Bible calls it, tells us it has, we have this power in earthen vessels, this treasure. Talking about the gospel, we have this power inside of us. We have this power accessible, this transforming power. I'm talking about radical transformation, that power of God unto salvation. A pass from death unto life, from lost to found. And then when those people who have found it, when those people who are uh, transformed from death unto life, when they live that out by faith and they follow Jesus Christ, their faith shows how truly amazing God is. It shows God's power. It is revealed from faith to faith, from one person to the other. Listen, the early church went through far more persecution than we ever did. The early church said, listen, we have something so spectacular. We have to share it with everybody and we'll die trying. We don't have that attitude. We don't have that attitude. Why? Because we don't believe he fits into society. We don't believe he has anything good to offer. And to be quite honest with you, we just don't trust him. The gospel of God is powerful, transformationally powerful. Let me finish with a verse, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 37. The Bible says this, what shall we say to these things? Then to these things. If God be for us, who can be against us. Verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Listen, we have the greatest power on earth. We have the transformational power. We have power to transform the culture. We have power to transform the lives of everybody, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can change your life Jesus Christ can transform your life from death unto life, from lost to found. He can make something special. Jesus has that power. The greatest power in all the world. And yet we're ashamed of it. We don't have to be ashamed of Jesus. We don't have to preserve 
our own lives. We don't have to try to gain the whole world. And we don't have to be ashamed. We can be victorious. We can see God do amazing things in our lives. If number one, we will deny ourselves. If we will take up our cross daily. And if we will just follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do for us. Father, we love you. And Father, if any of us have ever been ashamed of you, Father, I pray that you quickly point that out. Convict us. Change us. Help us to know that we can be victorious. Father, thank you so much for the power that you've given us. Thank you so much for the transforming power that you are in our lives, transforming us hopefully every day, changing us into the image of yourself, helping us to become more like you, Father. Please convict us, Father. If there's one listening to this today that does not know you, I pray that today would be that day. Father, we pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is the time we want to give you just to take some time and make a decision. Again, if you have any questions about this, you want to know more about Jesus Christ, now would be the time to click that link in the description. Just let us know you want to know more about Jesus, and we would love to help you through that. Let me ask you today, will you give your life to Jesus today? Will you come to him? Will you lay down your way of doing things? And will you follow him? Let's give you some time right now to make a decision.